0: Hello, welcome. Here we are. Then we've made it through to the fourth brass monkeys. Brass monkey two. Hello. Hello, brass monkey one. Oh, I you? tell you, well, I'm brassed off. Actually, we're not going to dwell on the news too much because, let's face it, it's all crap. It's more of the same every day here. Is your escape from the madness that is 2020. It's the year that gives. The trouble is, it's the year that gives all the rubbish. Keeps on giving. Doesn't like it just?
1: National Lampoon. It's the gift that just keeps on giving. Speaking of giving,
0: our, uh, our Prime Minister, the uh, the one and only Johnson, I'm not even going to call him by his first name anymore.
1: Because that's not his real name. Uh, that's no- not his real first name. His real name is Alexander, and we do well never to forget that. Not a man of the people. Not Boris Alexander Defetel. What kind of name is that? DeFefel? It's the name of a twat. I have
0: just been to see Her Majesty the Queen. All this and more we can do now and only now. at this extraordinary UK assets orbiting in space with all the long-term forgotten people and the left-behind town.
1: It's perfectly true that I have had some drugs. I
0: think that's an understatement. Okay, so the thing that is Johnson, he's been handing out awards the last week or so. Did you know about this?
1: I did, yes. He's, he's Cronyism.
0: A, he's a Cronyism. man who likes to give. He's even given... So he's given his own brother a seat into that hallowed hall that we call the Lords. Frankly, that in itself is, is unbelievable. His, his own brother resigned from government because of him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's true. Do you know what made me so angry? And I get really angry when I listen to the mainstream media. Friday of last week, I'd been listening to um, LBC, a quasi-national station now. They now angle themselves as, you get you ready for this? LBC, Leading Britain's Conversation. Mm. Now, it's all well and good because they've got some interesting broadcasters on there. They've got Nick Ferrari, who's a, an old tabloid hack. Very, very lefties in there, like James O'Brien, who I'm sure you'll like because you are a bit... Lefty-leaning, aren't you, Brass Monkey 2? I lean more left than I I, lean right, yes. I think you're approaching horizontal. And then they've got some other interesting broadcasters. Sheila Fogarty, a very, very good broadcaster. Um, She is. I've got a lot of time for her. Eddie Mair. Eddie Mair, who uh, used to be on Radio 4, did the PM programme on Radio 4, defected to LBC. He's quite a good listener, loves his voice a bit. But then on a Friday at 6 o'clock, they hand over LBC to Guess who? The sister, the sister of bloody Boris Johnson. Rachel Johnson, journalist. They give her an opportunity to broadcast to the country on LBC. And what really got my goat last week, she actually decided it was a suitable use of her studio time, her airtime, to congratulate her younger brother on being awarded a place in the House of Lords by her older brother, the Prime Minister, supposedly of this country I can't, you couldn't make it up you just couldn't make it up talk about abusing your position
1: nepotism it's nepotism I, the whole thing stinks doesn't it? it the whole coup that we've been subjected to is just playing out in front of our eyes and it just and seems we're helpless to do anything about it and
0: meanwhile thousands of people die but hey Ep- it's it's okay because you can get 50% off your restaurant meal now thanks, go catch Covid it. that's it go and Bid, but at least you only paid half price for exactly. it exactly what, what a bargain that was Let's stick with the whole thing about the state that this country's in. Seriously, listener, really do not want to piss you off here. But you have to remove the rose-tinted spectacles. You have to take the earmuffs off. You have to open your eyes and open your ears to the world that you find yourself living in in 2020 in what was once Great Britain. If you're in London, and many of you of course are not, you're all over the country and all over the world, but for many people, London is the centre of their universe. And and for the last God knows how many years, they've been trying to build a, a new east to west underground railway link to revitalise areas of Greater London and the surrounding counties and speed everything up and bring more money in, because that's how capitalism works.
1: Oh, Really?
0: And this project's been called Crossrail. And if you were an investor, you would be very cross with Crossrail. Because it's over budget and it's delayed beyond comprehension. It was actually meant, I think, officially to have opened about two years ago. And yet again, in the last week, 10 days, they've announced another delay in the opening of it. By the time it opens, one of the reasons they're saying that it's taking so long is because of the advanced signal work that this line uses. But by the time they actually open it, all this signal work will probably be obsolete. Oh, well, we have to start renewing and replacing. So if we can't get Crossrail right, bearing in mind we're talking about millions and millions. In fact, I'm sure we're into the billions with this project. But if we can't deliver that, which is a typical UK thing, isn't it? Big infrastructure, infrastructure projects we cannot deliver on time or on budget. Many of you in the UK might have heard of HS2, which is the idea to take a new railway line from the south up into the north and help the northern powerhouse. Anyway, um, the idea is this, this HS2 line uh, is going to basically rip its way through uh, what's left of the English countryside. And save you something like 25 minutes on your journey from London to Birmingham. Well, that's good use of money, isn't it? Even now, as we come to terms with the new world we live in, which means that probably people will be doing more remote meetings than they will face-to-face meetings, as has been proven to work over the last four or five months. Despite all that, they're still pressing on with compulsory purchasing of people's homes and land and businesses in order to bulldoze them down and stick a bloody great railway line all the way up to Birmingham and beyond. And will that be delivered on time and on budget? Place your bets, ladies and gentlemen. Place your bets. So we've got HS2. We've got Crossrail. We've got, unfortunately, we can't ignore it because it is here, Brexit. Blah. Let's let's just get to grips with this. Okay, we cannot reverse Brexit as such because we've already left. So what we're no, now doing is trying to work out how we make it work, and this is the scary bit because nobody actually seems to have any answers for how we're going to make it work so all the goodwill and all the rules and regulations that are keeping things ticking along at the moment in this weird kind of no man's land we're in they run out at the end of this year I don't think Covid is necessarily going to disappear by then do you
1: not looking like it's going anywhere anytime soon from what I've been reading no so
0: it's like we're in this kind of perfect storm aren't we we've got got no economy left we're going to have mass unemployment we're still going to be building railways that people don't need and we're not going to have any friends out in Europe either. It sounds like a recipe for disaster, quite frankly. But I don't want to be too negative about this because this is where we challenge our inner strength. This is where we summon up the great British Bulldog. Have you got a bit of Bulldog in your Monkey too? I certainly do not, no. I'm glad about that because it's not exactly the most attractive looking creature in the world, is it?
1: No, and the association with the Bulldog British spirit, the, you know, the good old John Smith us against the world thing, that's what they're going to be trying to summon up for us over the next few months. Well, we're better than Europe, we're better than the rest of the world, we're the British Bulldog, we've done it before, we can do it again. Just to go back to the whole HS2 thing, I mm. mean, nobody needed it or wanted it even in the perfect conditions in which it was broached you know when we were still part of the eu when we still wanted to be part of that big market over the other side of the channel uh, when people were still going to meetings in other ends of the country now there is absolutely no need for it i see no point whatsoever unless they're going to completely fill it with freight or train travel is going to be ludicrously cheap and it's going to be a lot cheaper than flying up to manchester or flying up to glasgow or whatever i can see see absolutely no point whatsoever all it's going to do is piss a whole load of people off who are already very pissed off and that's about the size of it it's just there's no need for it no need whatsoever
0: god do we need positives at the moment just a few Speaking of positives, time spent at home and in your your garden or your yard or even your shed can be very therapeutic at this time. And one of the things I've found fascinating is, is talking to people about what they've been doing in their sheds. Some, some of them
1: best left to your imagination, but uh, some of it, in fact more of it, is probably far more
0: wholesome. Have you been getting up to things in your multiple sheds? Well, this is the thing, I've realised I've got too many sheds. I have too many sheds. So at the last count, I mean, how are we classing sheds? Are we classing sheds as structures with a roof and sides?
1: Outbuildings that aren't necessarily the uh, the main dwelling, I would have thought. Okay. Something that looks and feels somewhat more temporary than the, uh, the bit that you eat, drink and sleep in, unless something's gone
0: horribly wrong. OK, so uh, on that basis, I've got one, two, three, four and a greenhouse. You've got more
1: sheds than you've got Too bedrooms, much, haven't isn't you? It? Ah, ladies and gentlemen, I would uh, urge you to check out at this point Viz's wonderful comic strip, 8Ace, a man who lives in the shed. though <laughs> no, not quite in the way that you might be. I think yours would be somewhat more salubrious. But yes, I'll, uh, we'll post a link I'll to 8Ace. Oh, do, eight Ace. I think. One, one of my favourites, I think do that like 8Ace.
0: But interestingly, you know, lots of people have discovered that their shed can be an extension to their home in one way or another. You know, people have built bars, people have built um, cinema rooms. Um, I gather you've done a bit of shed remodelling as well down at... Uh, Monkey Two Towers. Monkey Two yes. Towers, yes.
1: Well, we had two sheds. We got one down the end of uh, end of our garden and we had another one on the patio, which was in itself the, the original old shed from the bottom of the garden that was repurposed by my very creative missus who turned it into a bike store. Originally, it was like a Wendy house for uh, Monkey 2 Jr. uh, when he was little, and then he outgrew that, and then it became somewhere to put his bicycle... (laughs) But then, as he's got bigger, his bicycles got bigger, and it became too big for that. So we did a bit of looking around online and, and uh, found a few options, and then repurposed the old shed, the old old shed, into a little a little cubby, a little store that now has all the bits and pieces that live on the patio, like the um, the parasol. Uh, the clothes pegs, all the bits and pieces, and it, it looks a bit like an outside toilet. We've even made it look <laughs> even more so by painting
0: it and putting a little um, door knocker on. I'll, uh, I'll post a picture of it. Oh, it's, I think you um... have to. Two questions come to mind, though. First of all, you mentioned Wendy House. Why does Wendy have so many houses around the world? And, uh, hmm, and question, question two is, why is it that bikes take up so much bloody room when you try and store them? Oh, they're just
1: trying to manhandle the things problem is though you've got wheels which by definition take up a lot of space on most normal sized bicycles now the problem is bikes are unwieldy things unless they are the clever folding brompton bicycle and the reason they're so expensive is because they're so clever and they do fold up to the most ridiculously small size but yeah i know what you mean i can take the wheels off mine even though it's 30 years old my mountain bike it's it was quite advanced for its time you can take the wheels off and it you know comes down to basically the biggest bit then is the
0: frame and the the wheels can compact onto the top of it don't get all impressed with me my wheel comes off my bike as well yeah. just yeah, not when i expect <laughs> it to do <laughs> no. yeah so we've all been there I
1: casualties think, up and down the country a testament to that
0: just when you mentioned brompton it just reminded me of um uh, was it was that bbc series w1a Oh, yes, of course. He had his bike and he could never fold it up, could he? (laughs) No. no. That's a series, by the way. It's a parody of the BBC. I can tell you, having worked for that organisation, it's remarkably close to the truth. In fact, the only thing wrong with it is that it doesn't go quite far enough. It's that time of the week again. It's time to talk about Trump. Oh, God, can we not? Really? Yes, yes, we do. We've got um, to do it only because chances. as long as he is POTUS, President of the United States, supposedly the most powerful man on the planet, until that ceases to be the case, we should acknowledge the danger that exists in the White House. For many, many,
1: many, many years to come. It's not in the White House that he's a danger,
0: it's everywhere else. He... Continues to defy explanation mm. or understanding, doesn't it? I just sold an apartment for $15 million to somebody from China.
1: Yeah, I've given up trying. This is why I'm always so keen just to move this
0: little bit along. Because well, all it does is depress me. The thing is, I keep hearing and seeing clips. You of him are fake news. And thinking, he can't have said that. He can't actually have said that. Wouldn't that be embarrassing? And it it led to a comment that you said to me, which I I thought was really interesting, where you talked about fake news. Trump is always going on about fake news. No, I didn't say that at all. I don't think you understood what was said. We should actually maybe be taking a bit more notice of that because you, you actually uncovered some really scary stuff, didn't you?
1: Yes, the phrase deep fake video is one that we're becoming more familiar with. Uh, The internet is becoming littered with these incredibly clever videos that people are making due to the advances in computer technology and just limited only by people's imagination where you can make people say and do things that they never, ever said. It's the whole... The whole Stalinism thing has come true. You can literally make people say and do what you want them to. Wouldn't that be embarrassing? There's some very, very impressive ones. And there's one that's been created. If we go back in time well, sort of 51 years almost to the day, two men walked on the moon for the first time, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, when Apollo 11 put down. It was touch and go as to whether or not that was going to be a success. As we know, they they went, despite the uh, conspiracy theories. I'm fairly convinced that they ended up there. But there were contingencies in case it all went wrong and in case they got stranded up there it was um, only a wing and a prayer stuff really that uh, they managed to get back a speech was written for the then president richard nixon which he would have read out to the american public but also to the world to inform us that it had gone wrong and that neil and buzz had been stranded up on the moon and would see out the remains of what little was left of their life alone with a depleting supply of oxygen never to return to the earth the existence of this speech has uh, never been a a real secret it was um, I think it's been in the public knowledge for quite a long time but somebody has created a video which actually uses footage of Nixon uh, reading from a script from some other purpose Lord knows what and a very talented and very clever actor has read the script and somebody has synchronized this video (laughs) using the, the clever technology that is available as we alluded to earlier and they put the two together and they have made this video that is so convincing it's mm. been done always check your sources check twice and check again and always make sure that what you're seeing is the real deal because this thing is a perfect demonstration of just what can now be done and we will post a link to it and i warn you it is one of the most chilling things i've seen in a long time and given what we've had to sit through in the last few months and years that's saying something
0: yeah i I just want to say at this point by the way um brass monkeys is by no means a conspiracy theorist website or a broadcaster it's not what we're about but the reality is if you go through life thinking that everything you see and hear is exactly as it's presented to you then my friend you are walking around with your eyes shut open your eyes open your ears question everything i mean question everything You have a brain. You might be told that you are stupid. You might be told that you're being overreactive to something. You might just get people who go, what? But it doesn't matter. You have a brain. Use your own brain. You're listening to this. You're listening to this because, hopefully, you find some of the things we say are interesting. If you don't, then that's fine. You know, if you just find listening to two monkeys waffling for half an hour or so is in some way appealing then carry on fill your boots as they say but if you've got actually an opinion or if you've got a story on a, an area that you'd like us to discuss then get in touch let us know it's always good to hear from you the details on how to do that are on your screen as we speak
1: find us online we're brass monkeys m-o-n-k-e-e-z or z if you're american search for us on google at brass monkeys I uh, we'll turn up eventually like a bad penny
0: right shall we move on
1: yes let's do let's that.
0: let's move on let's move on to happy times let's go back to that time in our lives when we were young ah shuffle shuffle ah young so it's our nostalgia slot so to speak
1: I think of the past, mm, nostalgia. It'll it's never tell me.
0: It'll never catch on. I remember, um, if you were listening to our last episode, that I mentioned we were going to talk about the stylophone, which was this strange creation, which was advertised by Rolf Harris of all people. Can you tell what it is yet? Yep, that one. But, uh, good but, old Rolf Harris. But interestingly, Monkey Two, one of our ex-colleagues messaged me after last week's episode. He doesn't even know we do this um, <laughs> But he just said, Oh, just going through some old mini discs. There you go, that dates it, doesn't it? Mini Disc. He says, Now found Oh wow. Mini Discs. I found that interview that you did with Rolf Harris. And I thought, isn't the that you did oh Yeah yes. In fact, I think good you, lord, when would that have been? I think you were there actually when I did that interview. Was I now? You might not have been physically there, but you were there at the in the location at the time. Ah, right, yeah. right, right. No, I know. Yeah. And as as I as I replied to him, I said, "Seemed like such a nice man." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, it's amazing how appearances can be deceptive, isn't it? Given uh,
0: what we know now. Two little boys.
1: <laughs> yeah, less said about that the better. Yes,
0: indeed. Anyway, what a strange device that was, wasn't it? I mean, it's like, how do you describe it? Well, it was
1: like a Little... like a keyboard, a a metal
0: and a keyboard,
1: metal... A, with a metal stylus with That's a wire it, yeah. that, when you touch, depending on where you touch the the metal keyboard. I mean, the thing was only what about ten. Well, probably about fifteen centimeters long if we're uh, we're going metric, or about sort of six, six to eight, eight, yeah, inches. six eight
0: inches long, yeah, yeah. And it, it. and it
1: made a noise. It looked very sixties seventies Japanese electronic. You had this little stylus, and depending on whereabouts from left to right, you touched the stylus and completed the circuit. Basically, um it made a different tune, and it made like a very vibrato wobbly electronic noise. That it made a could... horrendous
0: noise. Let's face it.
1: It it was a racket. It was a racket, and it. As I remember, it came with a book of how to play it and some tunes you could play by going now one, now three, now two. And I think I'm right in saying It even came with a little flexi disc, which, if you remember those, they were a 45 RPM record. Yeah. It was uh, printed on basically on floppy plastic, the original floppy disc. And they were usually brightly coloured,
0: weren't they? They were orange they were or red or something normally, like that. normally, yeah.
1: normally, yeah. And you'd put that on your record player and uh, listen to Ralph Harris going... Now, do you want to learn how to play a little song? Or is uh, one of my
0: favourites, can you tell what it is yet? Yeah. And all that
1: probably helps him with his legal costs a few years down the line.
0: <laughs> we'll, um, we'll have to see if we can find some uh, some audio for you just to illustrate mm. that. Speaking links, of-
1: links will be posted.
0: Lynx will indeed, yeah. Did you ever wear Lynx? Uh,
1: only in uh, tribute to my friend Helen Partridge, Lynx Africa, which <laughs> has been around a long time. I think Lynx, the, the advert's on the telly at the minute. We're, yeah, it's we're still going. It. It's
0: amazing, isn't it? It's still yeah, going. Um, they're, they're, they're back referencing it now. Well, I interestingly think... enough, um, Brute, The Great Smell yeah. of Brute with Great um, Smell of Brute. Barry Sheen and uh, Henry Cooper. Henry Cooper. That, that it all over. That is available again as well. And again, they are also referencing their... Retro credentials.
1: Ah, the alpha male is back. Indeed. Next, it'll be Old
0: Spice. <laughs> the
1: mark of a man. Ah, yes. And you know who it was who was in the advert for that? John Nettles. School? Really?
0: Another great toy of the time. I actually had this one. I didn't have a stylophone, but I did have a VertiBird.
1: Oh, yes. You told us the that. The VertiBird.
0: That's a Describe VertiBird. You basically had a base station with two levers on it, and then it had a flexible drive shaft, and on the end of the flexible drive shaft was a plastic helicopter. The base unit had a motor in it, and the motor drove this shaft the two levers allowed you to control whether the motor ran forwards or backwards so you could fly the helicopter at full speed in circles backwards as well as forwards <laughs> that um, was handy. but you could also vary the pitch and the speed of the helicopter and you've got a little man a little plastic man with a a, um, a loop on his head underneath the helicopter you had a little plastic hook and the idea was you had to Paint a picture in your mind that this was a jettisoned pilot from an aircraft who was floating in the sea. And you had to come along in your rescue helicopter, get your hook through the loop on his head and whisk him off to safety. And it may have been pilot error on my part. You could get it to go really, really fast, round and round and round, which was great. But actually trying to like hover it and get the hook to pick up this little man was incredibly difficult. So what happened is you'd spend about like like most you know youngsters I think I would have been about 9 or 10 at the time you spend about 5 minutes trying to get the hook through you decide that this isn't going to happen So you just decide, see what else you could do with it, which is basically drive it round at full speed, round and round and round in circles, and then introduce things for it to crash into. I mean, seriously, describing it, it sounds boring, but actually, you know, I did have so much fun with it. It was brilliant. Found some videos on YouTube, and again, we will post links, and
1: there's the original advert that I've seen from 1973, I think, and it looks horrifically difficult to control. It was! Well there's a bit on there where they're demonstrating how it works and it's suspiciously tightly focused in on the <laughs> helicopter that's being flown very very well there's no way in hell that's being controlled from the uh from the controller given what i've seen of people trying to control it in their own living rooms on uh on youtube now i think there's a bit of artistic license being taken but it does look an awful lot of fun i mean i think my trick would have been just seeing how fast i could get it to go and whether or not i could make the thing fly off the exactly end.
0: exactly you've just said. Ex- exactly what I did let's so, try and break it and that's what I did yeah. so when I say to you moonshine what do you think about the rocket fuel that was illegally brewed in
1: the deep south of uh, the United States of America and ferried around by those good old boys Bo and Luke
0: <laughs> 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 you've week. got it mate you've got it um yeah so just think about some of the classic tv shows I mean we talked about Knight Rider last week and the a-team and stuff like that Dukes of Hazard, what a show! Saturday evenings, I think five o'clock. That was my appointment to view. Beau and Luke Duke, who were cousins, Daisy oh, was their other cousin. I have, I have said to say, about her. Oh. well, you know that when you're an adolescent of a certain age, Daisy is is uh, an education. She um, had
1: legs that went all the way up to her bottom, as I was um, repeatedly did. told by older members of the family.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's when you you spy your dad looking but pretending mm. not to Uncle Jesse the patriarch Moscow B- Gold train
1: Baag <laughs> about as corrupt as they come yeah
0: oh, brilliant with his with his horns on his car
1: oh yeah the texas longhorns yeah the looks of and them, the, car, the car
0: the car eventually every episode that had boss argued ended up in a, in a pond or a lake didn't it
1: <laughs> the white convertible very very big
0: yeah cletus who was sheriff's deputy wasn't he
1: cooter that was him always there sort of giving them help and advice helping keep the general Lee running so they could outrun the law
0: and uh, the generally was a uh, monkey
1: too. It's a Dodge Charger, a big orange one. A big orange Dodge Charger with welded-up
0: doors. Or lots of them, because they destroyed so I, many making I, that series. I believe they did. 1986, and um, for some reason, I'd ended up driving around in a a Burgundy with rust spots, Volvo 244DL. Oh, a classic. So, what we're talking about here, uh, for you listeners who are not knowing what that is, it's a big, boxy Volvo. It's basically slab-sided with a big long bonnet area, a big square boxy middle bit, and a big square boot at the back.
1: It's if you had to get a child to draw a car in profile, how you would would draw that three-box
0: design—they call that. I was with uh, a couple of mates, and we'd gone to the pub. uh, Came out of the pub, uh, walked across the road, and decided to do. decided to do a Dukes of Hazard type slide over the bonnet of the Volvo.
1: Oh, no. Okay,
0: which I did, and it went spectacularly well. I obviously couldn't lever my way into the car because I had to open the door as normal. So I grabbed my key, put my key in the lock, door wouldn't open. I thought, that's a bit strange. Looked at the car and realised there was another burgundy <laughs> Volvo 244 that was literally parked 50 metres from where I'd parked mine, and I'd chosen the wrong car to do the Dukes of Hazard slide over. And what made it worse was this particular one was much, much cleaner and shinier than my rusty one was. Yeah. So that moment where you go... Mm-hmm. ...of exactly the same time, but set in, uh, on the west coast of the States in uh, good old California was um, Chips, California yeah. Highway Patrol, with uh, what were the two guys? Punch and John. That's it, Poncherello, officers Poncherello and that's it. and John Baker. They were accident-prone, weren't they? <laughs> yes, they got up to all sorts of things, didn't they? And, in fact, um... I came to the conclusion that driving in California must be an extremely dangerous business, because most of the time people were going into multiple barrel rolls, weren't they? Even though they were driving at a maximum speed of, what, 50?
1: Uh, 55, I think it oh, was 55. back then. That makes A all the difference. 55. It's LA, wasn't it? It you was. Just, yeah. The zoom out, and there's just mile after mile of highway. The big, wide, sweeping freeways of the uh, south southwest of America certainly made an image, and sun baked big, wide-open spaces, what's more to like? The American dream, and then you come to the two of them, riding along side by side, both with their aviator shades on, both with perfect white teeth, grinning away <laughs> as they uh, as they head along on their way. Uh, what's not to like? It just must have done so much for the, uh, the Californian
0: Tourist Board, if nothing else. The thing that always got me, though, is that it had all these amazingly wide highways to cruise up and down. Why did most of them spend most of the time going up and down the huge flood that LA has <laughs> you know it's like have you not got enough road <laughs> I can remember as I can remember as a teenager getting my first CB rig which was illegal at the time because it was an AM set with, with sideband oh sideband ah, yes sideband and a burner and a burner and a burner
1: where well, you needed at least 25 watt burner
0: Oh, I, this was a hundred. I think it was a hundred watt burner. Hundred, my yeah. word! Yeah, oh, you were living on the edge. And I and I remember um, cause it was it was great because this was all so brand new to us all, and of course nobody really knew what it was all about. And I remember I managed to persuade my dad to let me put up um, a mast on the house, <laughs> on the side of the house, because I grew up in a in a farmhouse, and, and my bedroom was the end of one wing. So I had like a a, a really I had a chimney stack at the end of. Of my wall, so if I mount, mounted my mast onto the chimney stack, then I, I, I the top of my mast was probably about I don't know about 35 40 feet.
1: Wow, you'd have been getting out far with that one
0: with a hundred watt burner.
1: I was well with 100 <laughs> watts on sideband, yeah, you'd have been king of the airways, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, well, well my this,
1: king of the jungle.
0: Well, this, this would have been a nice idea, but unfortunately, I bought this, I bought the set, um, from a uh, school acquaintance, and it broke now i don 't know whether that was anything I did to it or what, but but anyway, that was the end of that so um by this stage, my mum and dad had got a bit more wise to what c b was and 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 this was by the time they' actually licensed twenty seven eighty one which for those of mm. you of a certain age you 'll recognize as the stamp that has started to appear on legal c b sets in the u k which was twenty seven megahertz. And it was 1981 when the law was passed, which is where 2781 comes from.
1: Four Four watts. watts. Four (laughs) watts. That's nothing, particularly on FM. And and by law, if your aerial was mounted more than a certain, or antenna if you're in America, uh, if that was mounted more than a certain number of metres above ground level, you had to press the uh, legally mandated switch on the front, which uh, reduced the power to 0.4 watts. Oh, i would forgotten all about that. Which no one would ever, in their right mind, press. But I was uh, say, yeah. the Home Office would like it if you did.
0: So we want to hear from you. We want to know what you're thinking. We we say each week you like it or you don't like what we're doing. Let us know either way. Just just let us know. Do something. Don't just sit there and go, mm, whatever. That's no good for you. It's no good for us. So we're always grateful for all of your comments and details on how to get in touch with us are on your screen as you listen right now. Find us online.
1: We're Brass Monkeys, M-O-N-K-E-E-Z
0: or Z if you're American. Search for us on Google at Brass Monkeys. I'm going to say hello to Steve, one of our streamers. He's come back to us with a few the thoughts that he wanted us to look at. We'll, we'll, um, we'll just tease these today with a view to covering these next week, Steve. Steve says he's, he's really, really quite pissed off, actually, at the fact that you're not allowed to have an opinion anymore. You've got to listen to whichever minority group happens to be shouting the loudest. And if you don't, if you disagree... If you say the wrong thing then you're effectively accused of hate crime in court you used to be innocent until proven guilty now there's no need for a criminal justice system because you're you're basically hung by the social media culture at the moment you say something if it's out of order you'll be cut down we touched on this didn't we the other week when we talked about the whole council culture
1: we did and the yeah. fact that
0: ricky gervais is as really really Uh, latched onto this but yeah steve makes a really interesting point background where you come from and everything else and actually none of us know each other we don't know our backstories we don't know our ethnicity always particularly when most of us are conducting our lives online behind an avatar or even as we are at the moment brass monkeys as these faceless monkeys one and two we don't know you don't know us we don't know you but hey We're all on a journey together. We're just on different stages of that journey. That sounds a bit profound, doesn't it? I think that's probably as good a point as any to call it a day for this week. What do you reckon, Monkey T?
1: Yeah, we're starting to get too deep and uh, deep and meaningful,
0: and that's never a good sign where we're involved. I can see that hole appearing again, that rabbit hole. I'm peering down it.
1: Here we go. I'm going deep, 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 undercover. Off we go, then. Geronimo!